You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate from Quarantine. Like I keep saying in every episode, I get happier and happier and happier as I'm discovering more about myself and how to handle stress and how to handle just, you know, this really awful situation. I also just had therapy and my guest, who I'm about to introduce, knows the powers of therapy. And I, I, um, I'm i really excited to talk with my guest in general because um, I've learned so much from her. But I want to open up. Uh, a quote about how we're interacting with each other and how that is affecting us. So Gian Piero Petriglieri writes, I spoke to an old therapist friend and finally understood why everyone's so exhausted after video calls. It's the plausible deniability of everyone's absence. Our minds are tricked into the idea of being together when our bodies feel we're not. Dissonance is exhausting. It's easier being in each other's presence or each other's absence than in the constant presence of each other's absence. Our bodies process so much context, so much information in encounters that meeting on video is being a weird kind of blindfolded. We sense too little and can't imagine enough. That single deprivation requires a lot of effort. And I'm feeling that I'm experiencing that because, uh, one, I, I, I get my energy from other people, but I'm finding myself that I'm, you know, trying to, to gauge, uh, what, um, I usually depend on to gauge situations or gauge the emotion of a situation. It's very hard to do that over, uh, FaceTime or Skype and it is exhausting. It's exhausting. And I'm hoping that um, our communication skills are at an all-time high because we're training ourselves to find the humanity in these sort of situations that we're, that when we're able to hug each other, that when we're able to be a part of each other's lives again in a physical aspect, that we'll put our phones down, that we'll be with each other and we'll be able to um, just be joyous in each other's presence and get to know so much more about each other. And that being said, someone that I have gotten to know in my adult life, they say it gets harder to make friends as you get older. And I don't know if that's true because I've made quite a bit of friends in my almost thirties. But what I do think is really true is that the really special, you, you, you can gauge you can gauge the special ones at a much quicker pace. The ones that are going to be your forever friends, the ones that act as mentors as well as friends, the ones that uh, are just that serve purpose in your life. And I'm really excited to welcome multi-hyphenate Alette Taylor to this episode. Hey, what's up? Hi, Michael. I just, I'm, I'm like teary just listening to all of that. Of course, I was madly taking notes as I was crying, um, but not, not, not crying out of um, uh, fear or like stress or anything, but just sort of gratitude. And, and, um, and I think crying helps you release some you know, energy and estrogen and all that. But I just, I, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I love everything that you just said. Um, uh-huh. that, did you hear that dinger in the background? Yeah. My husband, 
<laughs> my husband is making sourdough bread. So um, he's learned how to make it and it tastes amazing. And um, it's a challenge to consume lots of sourdough bread and still fit in your clothes. So I'll just say that. But you might hear that dinger again. I, that's um, okay. That's okay. I'm feeling that this is a time where we're learning a small hyphenates aside, yeah. you know, I, I'm painting a lot and I have no interest in putting that into my hyphenate. I'm just doing right, it right. as fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't need to make money off of it. I don't need to do it. But finding those things like making your sourdough bread yeah. and painting are really important in these times. Is there anything that you're finding to be um, important that you're doing? Well, I haven't created anything new because I have so much I I usually have so many plates spinning in the air and also I'm a, I'm a mother of three kids. So what the quarantine is 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 where I'm thriving in it and I have to be careful of that because um I'm just using that word because you know it's seven o'clock every night we are applauding our essential workers and they are they are maintaining and surviving they're not thriving necessarily so I want to be really creative you know um careful about that but but I I have so many plates spinning in the air that that now I'm hyper focused on one or two or three and learning how to to really in the in the hyphenated world really concentrate otherwise um, I would just sort of start all these projects and kind of do them half-assed and leave them. And like, like having ADHD, just like cannot concentrate on one thing at a time. So, um, the, being in quarantine has given me the opportunity to really focus on one thing for an extended period of time. And that's, that's what I'm up. That's what I'm doing right now. So I haven't created anything new, but, um, but the projects that I've kept on the back burner that I've decided that I didn't ever have time to do, I'm now pulling out. It's so really, much, really exciting. Something that I love about you that, you know, you alluded to, you just didn't say the word you, uh, by being, uh, present and understanding like your privilege of where you are, mm -hmm. um, and thriving, you know, while we're applauding healthcare workers at seven <laughs> yeah. every night, you are one of the most aware self-aware and aware of other people I've ever met. And it was, yeah. and it's so funny because it's, you know, I, I, we've never talked about this, but my first memory of you is mm -hmm. you being an impenetrable producer mm -hmm. that I never, ever thought I would consider my friend just because I was like, oh, I, I mean, like our, our paths, I don't know if they'll cross in that sort of way again. I mean, she's, you know, she has no interest in, in, in me. Uh, I, there's whatever, because you were, you were so aware of the task at hand. You, you gave me beautiful energy, but it's amazing to see that, you know, where our relationship unfolded. What um, was it, Michael? Was it, was it, it studio it, sessions? Yeah, it was studio sessions with yeah. Stage Network, and mm -hmm. you had your producer hat on. It was impressive. It was like, ooh, I want to be when I produce something. I want to be her. That's who I want to be. And it was, I, I was putting out fires. It was, it was whack a mole. It was, you, I, I was hyper focused. You're right. You were aware though of everything. You were, I mean, it was like to, people yeah. were were clawing at your hems to get your attention, and you gave everyone the attention that they deserved mm -hmm. 
And it was so beautifully done. But you bring that, what I'm trying to say is that you bring that into every aspect of your life, being a mom, being a writer, being a performer, uh, when you train me, I mean, Mm -hmm. your awareness is just so beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that I was that kind of a person um, until I guess I'll just drop it on your podcast until I got sober. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so I've had, I've, I've had an enormous amount of therapy in my life, but also during that time when I was, um, newly sober, um, in the first two years, I had a concentrated daily amount of therapy. Um, and so <clears throat> I remember my therapist saying, if you can, do this, Alette, if you can stay sober, um, the amount of energy that you took to um, maintain your alcoholism and perform at the same time, the amount of energy that you took to make sure that no one found out that you were an alcoholic, if you took all of the energy and put it into, you know, the, th- the your creative self and the things that you want to accomplish in life and you put it into your ambition, um, without putting a lid on it, um, then there's no telling what you will be, uh, capable of doing. And I looked at her like she had, you know, three heads because at that point, no one was speaking to me and I had burned so many bridges and my family was rolling their eyes every time I said, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore. You know what I mean? I was, it was really awful. Um, so I, but she had such faith in me. She said, "You're gonna, you're gonna be, um, you're gonna be extraordinarily productive with the way your brain works." And I had no idea what she was talking about, and and I figured it out. I mean, it wasn't. I couldn't just perform. I could. I couldn't just be a mom. I couldn't just teach aerobics. <laughs> I I couldn't just write. But the combination of all four of those things, um, with a little sprinkling of producing. Um, then my brain was on fire. Then I felt like alive and electric. And that's exactly what you are. You are alive and electric. And you, and what's amazing about you is that you, you don't, you don't put that past behind you. I'm halfway reading. I'm halfway through reading an incredible, an incredible creation that you came up with um, called punk ass bitch. And can you tell me when you knew that you had to create that? Can you tell me uh, what was going th- when? Because I want people to know that being a multi hyphenate is in all of us. I just absolutely. Oh I gosh. just put a word. I just put a word to something that many of us do and are tired of explaining. At least for me, yeah. I'm only going to speak for myself. Um, and and instead of proving to people that you can do more than one thing, it's just like, yeah, I pay my bills that way, honey. And now you're going to get behind everything that I do. So that that's why we're talking about this. So I want to. But Michael, want, you don't you don't feel like you have to. You you want to. Right. I yeah. see it in you. You need you need to do a few different things. Well, oh my gosh. No, no, no. That's yes. I need to do a few things, a few different things. I feel like I'm cornered. I love that about you. (laughs) Thank you. I just feel sometimes that I'm also cornered to be, to have to explain myself to others, you know, being like, because one of the internal monologues I had with myself was at a party in 2014 or 15 Uh when I was photographing this party and someone that I've known for a long time came up to me and literally went, 
oh, so you're doing this now, huh? What? And I went, okay, well, (laughs) I don't need to explain to you the joy that I'm feeling. So why don't I just lead by example? But you were old enough to understand that was about their uncomfortability, their uncomfortability, right? hundred, a hundred. Oh, good. Hundred percent, but but oh, you just want to flick them in the head, right? Yeah, like, come yeah. Come on, ask somebody else that question. Jeez. And also that that serves such inspiration for me to be like, you know what? I'm just going to do this, but even bigger now. Yeah, I mean, Michael, you 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 absolutely stand in your own ambition and don't apologize for it. And the reason that, that when people get into trouble is when they stand in their own ambition and drive and and fuck everybody else on the way up. That's not what we mean. That's not what I'm talking about. That is just being unapologetically ambitious and kind and thorough and consistent at the same time. I love you. Thank you. I, um, but, and I see that, I see that in, in, that's why I'm so drawn to you is because you, you also lead by example and it's, and, um, Talk to me, talk to me about punk ass bitch, because I think that is a really great example of how you create something, how you start to create something. Well, uh, uh, sure. Absolutely. And thank you for, um, asking that question. Look at how polite you and I are. So (laughs) you should, Um, you should listen to us off, off the mic. When I'm training you, I'm like, (laughs) get your ass on the floor. (laughs) I don't fucking want to. (laughs) You got 10 more in with like a string of expletives. I can't, I can't, I can't, but it's, yes, you're right. Mixed with, um, just awful things. Yeah. We're a South Park episode. None of this will matter if you pick up a bag of Cheetos after we're done. (laughs) Please do the math. As I'm, ready, you consume. Yeah. as I'm ready eating the Cheetos, as you're telling me on I FaceTime. I know. The only thing that's getting me through this day is that there's a few Cheetos left in my pantry that I'm going to reward myself with. With um, some sourdough bread. Yes, absolutely. Um, just to get the orange shit on my fingers. I can't wait. I can't wait. Ooh, so so um, the, the first thing... Uh, in, in my self-awareness, I knew that there was a story to write. I knew that um, there was privilege there, that um, I was sent to rehab by rich parents. Um, it, it, the, the rehab that I went to, the, the big one, didn't even take insurance. So it, it's, it was extraordinarily expensive. Um, get that said, it did not look like, you know, the commercial, um, like if you want, there's a, there's a man with a British accent and he's like, if you want to recover in dignity, come to the dunes in Malibu. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I want to be clear. I did not go there. <laughs> That's but not it's what like I mean. a, It's like a Robin Leach sort of a situation basically yeah. of, of rehab. <laughs> well, it, it was, I, I wasn't sent to a place like that. It's just that I was sent to sort of end of the line boot camp type place, but, and, and there was only, there was only two buildings, you know, that we were in and and it was really, really, um, run down, like think seventies, late seventies, Adobe kind of situation. Yeah. Really, really bad, small barred windows, all of that stuff. Um, but it was highly expensive because of the, the, the amount of therapy and the, the expertise that you get there. Right. 
So that's what you're paying for. And um, there are plenty of people in the world who get sober just going to AA meetings. Um, and, and they have to recover or, or try and recover from alcoholism with no money at all. Um, and so well, I was extraordinarily fortunate. So you're sitting there as a middle-aged white woman and you're going, how can I tell this story and, and carefully tread around the issue that, that my parents had shitloads of money to send me to rehab and recover, you know, from this awful disease. And the answer was not to tread lightly, but to address it head on. And so that's what I did. I started thinking about um, how unique and un ununique this situation is at rehab. So for the most part, Michael, I'm sure you've heard this before, but the idea behind rehab is that it's super, super boring because they want you to just do regular pedestrian things all day long. And because alcoholics generally shoot for doing things that are highly dramatic, very, very exciting or very tragic, right? That doesn't, that probably doesn't surprise you. So rehab is the opposite of that. You're just going to do these, these just crazy, boring, repetitive things all day long. You're going to get up and go to a meeting and have breakfast and then go to another meeting and then have a group therapy and then go to a meeting and then eat another meal and then go to a meeting. And then you're going to read your AA book and go to bed. So that's not really a one person show. You know, <laughs> right? That's like that's like a pamphlet. But I, was, <laughs> but I was thinking about this as I was um, working at a retail job, and I still can't name the store the the name of the store. But you know, everybody can sort of glean what it was. It's a huge pink lingerie store uh, at the Beverly Center in Los Angeles. There, you probably already know which one it is, but. Sure. Um, So, and some really crazy things happened there. And I was just thinking, you know, as I was pregnant and having babies and all of that, that, that the craziest shit that's ever happened to me, um, I thought was in rehab, but it was actually in retail. And that's where the story begins with punk ass bitch. Punk ass bitches is something that a woman in, um, in this store called me when I wouldn't give her what she wanted she threw lingerie at me and called me a punk ass bitch. And I thought that's a pretty good name for a show. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you can just sit down and write stuff. And I started doing that. But what I had, which is super, super import- important when you're doing these things that feel epic is um, to, uh, to get some help, some accountability, or at least that's what I needed. So um, I have a writing mentor and I have a career coach to guide me through this. Uh, a lot of what you write personally is not, is impactful to you, but not to anybody else. And if it is impactful to a whole bunch of people, you need to decide if it's a book or if it's actually entertaining to have on, to be on its feet. And if it's entertaining enough to be on its feet, how long should it be? You ask any actor and they'll be like, Oh, well, my one person show should be two and a half hours long, but actually, <laughs> Actually, they should be about 80 minutes. So then you right. have to consolidate things. It's very hard. And, and actually, I'm at a point after 15 years to put this show out because there was so much rewriting to do. Because if you keep writing, your writing gets better. Right. So the stuff yes. I wrote 10 years ago, as I'm sure you can attest to, uh, wasn't very good. 
But you, like Ira Glass says, you have to keep writing shitty drafts or it might be Anne Lamont. I'm sorry. I think it's Ira who said that. You have to keep writing bad stuff could, until it gets better. I could look that up. But yeah. I, um, I, you know, it's so funny. I was just taking a social distance. Actually, this walk wasn't a social distance walk because I'm lucky enough to be quarantining with, privileged enough to be quarantining with my boyfriend uh-huh. as well as well as my my best friend and um we were taking a walk and um you know just to get outside and uh we were talking about uh because this is i'm talking about my friend max crumb he uh-huh. um he directed my first two uh iterations of my one man play moo with me and we were talking about it i was talking do about i know about this i don't know about this really move with me i yeah i don't think so i'm writing um, it down you have to send it to me yeah 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 um it's actually okay so uh so cool it's coming back in a really exciting way that i you know will of course announce in a public scale um great title by the way great title. thank, thank you which i think might even be changing just because the point being is the first two, you know, we were talking about the show and it was like, it was not good. But the point of it was, from a producer's standpoint, why I did it the first two ways was because I have a goal of what I want it to be. And in order for me to figure out what it is, I'll tell a bunch of entertaining stories that are connected with a thematic statement or a through line. I'll put it together uh-huh. in a space. I know like green room 42, make green room 42, some money, make me some money, tell a few stories, entertain my friends, get some press out of it and figure out where the jokes are and where the humor is and where the heart is. So it was like low stakes, um, glorified readings with a hint of stand-up. And that was what I could do in that moment using my resources, uh-huh. low stakes, low stakes, got money. It was considered, you know, a success for Green Room 42 is a success for me. Um, sold out both both performances. And we were taking a walk being like, yeah, it wasn't great. But now I have a version two years later of that play that is much more of a play and much yeah. more me and much more of the story that I'm telling. And that's, you know, yeah. you just got to write, you just got to get it out. Yeah. You, you, yeah, absolutely. It's, and it, and you, and it's painful at times. I mean, it, it, it's everything is that I wrote. That's supposed to be a big joke. That's hilarious in my head. You know, you invite people to come see it and they're like, yeah, that was kind of funny. That was all right. You know, and so that's hard to hear. And then you, you figure out where the rhythm of the jokes are, but you have to do it on its feet. The scariest thing I did with Punk Ass Bitch is I took sections of it down to um, a stand-up place on the Lower East Side and did parts of it for people I didn't know. Yeah. And um, so I that was good because I figured out I never wanted to do stand-up. So right. that's good because when- you have friends <laughs> saying to you, you're so funny, you should do stand-up. And you're like... No, no, no. It's terrifying. I don't want to do that. It's, it's super important to figure out in this hyphenate, you know, world, um, Michael, I'm, I, let me know if you agree with me, but I'm pretty clear now 
um, what I want to learn how to do and what I never want to learn how to do. I don't think I can do everything. Like I never want to be in an editing room. I did that like never, ever, ever. I have a smile on my face because (laughs) that's how I feel. I think that when you consider yourself a multi-hyphenate and you're ready to have that conversation about who you are as an artist, you got to have the goods to back it up. Yep. Like, like you, like, if we wanted to do it all, then fine. I'd be like, yeah, I do it all. You hire me to be, hire me to be a sound mixer and I'll do it. But it's like, no, No. what you're also doing is you're hiring me as an artist who knows his ability and you're hiring trust and you're hiring communication Mm -hmm. and, and relationships. So like, why would you ever hire me again? If I were to say, yeah, I'm a sound mixer. And then I, show up to the first day of work and I have no idea what to do. And well, then you'll never hire me for anything ever again. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you got to set, you got to, you got to be, you know, I say it's an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities, but Uh the proficiencies they, you know, skills and proficiencies, in my opinion, are different. You have Mm -hmm. to be skilled in your proficiencies. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Anyway, go on. What was I going on about? I can't remember. Um, you were, I I you were, done. T- you were, t- you know, you were talking about sound engineering, but well, well, the, the, the thing that I really wanted to ask you about is mm-hmm. will, can you, just because it is so entertaining, I, are, can you share one of your experience, like one of the, one of the stories? that you have in punk ass bitch, or you want to let it cook and you want like, <laughs> well, from, because- which, from which section, the, the rehab section or the, the store working in the store? I think, I think, I think the rehab section, just because you are, you are so fiery and you are so brilliant that it's like the way that you tell stories, I can like sit, what? listen to <laughs> eating, eating Cheetos. Well, so this is what, this is, um, Gosh, if if I could, if I could post, if I could do posts on Instagram and Facebook and TikToks on about mental health and how we all need to, you know, just pour all of our efforts into mental health, I would. Um, I'm just a huge, huge fan of, of therapy and figuring out your shit and moving forward, right. And evolving as a human being. And so, um, I have to tell you though, that I have no, it's easy for me to say that and to talk about sobriety because I have no underlying personality disorders or issues. I went to an end of the line rehab, um, which means that people had been to, that went there had been to countless rehabs. I hadn't been to countless rehabs at that point. I'd been to Mm, two or three. So it was hard. It's, it's called the disease of chronic relapse. Um, so when we talk about our celebrities who, Oh my God, can you believe so-and-so 
relapsed again. Michael, you and I were talking about someone the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's not unusual. That is the norm. It is a strong ass disease. The, even in sobriety, it feels like the disease is kind of doing push-ups on your shoulders, ready for you to fuck up. It's ready. And it's a chemical in your brain. So I, I want to tell you that, that when I, pe- people cover up a, a whole host of things with um, alcohol and, and drugs and whatever. I mean, I call the whole thing alcoholism. And, and there are AA people out there who disagree with that, but that's what I choose to say. The whole thing is alcoholism. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to rehab with people who had lots and lots of different kinds of issues. And um, some of them had Tourette's. Some of them, most of them were manic depressive. Uh, they had personality disorders, uh, schizophrenia. Um, they had lo- lots and lots of eating disorders um, they had survived, uh, an, an insane amount of sexual and physical abuse in their lives. Um, you know, I didn't go to rehab with a lot of multiple, multiple personality disorders, but that's, there are very few of those in the world. You have to have a super high Q to have a multiple personality. So, Hmm. um, my point is that when everybody got sober, those personality issues come forward, right? Mm-hmm. because the alcohol is no longer there. But I, after a thorough psychotherapy analysis, hypnosis, everything, they, they analyze the shit out of me, personality de- um, tests and all of that. Um, I, I'm just, you know, a worrisome kind of gal who's really driven and, and fairly optimistic. <laughs> okay. So that's really that's really weird to be in rehab with a lot of other people who aren't that way. And yeah. I, and I was really happy. And so midway through rehab, when I started to feel better, I looked around with all these people and I was like, you know, they were already trying to quiet me because, um, the a typical response in an, in a rehab meeting is how are you all feeling today? And nobody's saying anything because their feelings are all kind of numb and dead and I was the one who was just raising my hand, like, I feel this and this and this and this. And then I feel this and this and this. And I just went on and on and on until somebody shut me up. That's the way I am. And so halfway through the rehab experience for me, I wanted to get everybody together to um, create a rehab musical for Christmas. <laughs> and I was, I was shut down in a huge way huge way. They were just, they all had just had enough of me. I had everybody cast. I had a nice arc, um, for a, an hour long show and some music. And, you know, I was going to be the lead, of course, of course. Right. And, of course. And, well, with um, a voice like yours. Well, yeah, there are some other, there are some other voices in there too. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, they, they all came down on me really hard and, and I, I can't tell you what they said. Cause it's just, I just don't know what kind of podcast this is. I mean, it's just, they said the most horrible things, <laughs> but I got, I got the message very, very clear. And then the counselors came to talk to me and said, um, listen, you can't, it, you're defeating the whole purpose of rehab <laughs> to create a musical here. And then another counselor said, you know what, Alette, I don't think you're cute at all. I don't think you're funny and cute and I'm sick of you trying to make everything funny and cute and, and dramatic and perky. And you just need to sit and do your job, which was to go to meetings and 
and just listen. So I don't know, that's putting it in a nutshell, but um, I got my ass kicked in therapy and in rehab for being optimistic. Wow. And is that amazing? There's such a parallel from that to what we experience as an artist in show business, like on the reg, you were saying things just now where I was like, well, I feel like I've had that experience. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter if you're in rehab or yes, Michael, it, I'm sure someone's told you that you gesticulate too much, that your volume, your inflection yeah. is just too much sometimes. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. All the time. So you, you find your tribe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's no, it's amazing. I, you are just such a vibrant storyteller and it's, and uh, I, I just wanted to, I wanted you to share something just because like reading, reading what I've read so far. Um, I feel yeah. like I'm like in, like, I'm like with you now. I'm just like, wait, we tell them this story. Okay. Now tell them, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I was, I was texting you when I was reading it being like, you know, like, no, she didn't. No, you didn't. Yes. Oh, and I had to tone it down too. There are some, there, there are some horrible, horrible, very, very sad stories from rehab that don't belong in a one person show, even a right. dark one. Right. They just, they just don't, they're just, it's just not mine to share. And it would certainly, you know, I'd have everybody's attention, but the motivation behind it would be just to get your attention. And that's not substantial. Now talk to me about, it's interesting that you were saying that. And I feel like uh, we can talk about this on a macro and micro level, but finding the stories uh-huh. that are yours to share. Now I know now yeah. you're also a working actor. Uh-huh. You, you know, you did, uh, you did recently freaky Friday and um, we could see you on Amazon's the hunters and um, you you're working and, Mm-hmm. and brilliant and amazing. But what is your, are you on a journey of finding the stories that are yours to tell and yours that aren't yours to tell? Uh, you mean a, a journey as far as writing or as far as acting? Because I think in the acting world, I, there are stories that I definitely want to tell in television shows that I'd love to be a part of, but I'm not sure that they're mine. I can only just put myself out there in auditions and, and self tapes and hope that someone sees that. I mean, I would love to be the next, you know, Amy Morton on, right. on Chicago PD, just giving information, you know, right. hair parted down the middle, hardly any makeup, just giving right. out medical and legal and that kind of that. I would love that spit out that dialogue. That would be heaven, but I'm not sure that that's mine. So what do you mean? You mean story stories I'm writing? Whatever you think, I mean, I had a professor who I love. I had a professor that would say that to us. She would give us an assignment and it was Mm -hmm. just kind of instructions. And we would be like, okay, so like what? And she'd be like, just do what you think I mean. Right. Okay. So, so, so that's what I'm saying to you is like, because for me on my journey of multi hyphenating, uh-huh. I was able to cut the fat out of so many auditions instead of going to this being like, I think, oh, I, I, see. I, th- I think that's for me. I, I, I don't have to do that anymore because I'm, I get those kicks elsewhere. I experience that elsewhere. So the auditions that I go on are the ones that I'm like, I'll get a call back for that. That is so me Absolutely. in a nutshell. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Sorry. Oh, I should I- have been more clear with that. No, that's okay. Well, I'm, it's important in a, in a podcast to attach blame. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially when you're recording it remotely. Things, it makes things go really well. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I, I work with, uh, again, if, if, if the reins are off my personality, I do need reins. I do need accountability because um, if the reins are off, then a let can do everything. I'm going to do all of it. I'm going to do television right. and film and Broadway and commercials and voiceovers. And I'm just, and, and my kids are going to do all of it. And, um, I'm also going to, you know, write myself into the next, and Netflix is going to pick up my net. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. And those are kind of things that you can just, that's like spaghetti against a wall. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I it, or, or you're sitting on a bar stool, just sort of talking about how all of these things are going to happen. So, um, in order for, in order, f- what, what worked for me was to get a career coach and, um, his name is Brian Pataka, mm-hmm. P-A-T-A-C-C-A, and he's at brianpataka.com. Um, I don't say that just because he's, he's not, you know, generally not accepting any new clients, but that's where you find out all the information about Brian. Um, mm-hmm. When you're in therapy, therapy is about what happened in your childhood and how it's affecting you now. That's generally what therapy is about. If you're stuck now, Michael, you are in therapy to, to look at your past and see where those bad habits or whatever shortcomings, I don't know, tendencies, you know, one of my tendencies is to, is to let go of some boundaries that I've created. Right. And, and, and I, that's not a unique problem either, but those of us who were raised in the eighties and nineties are sort of like boundaryless people we can we just are want to help everybody and it, it's right. awful anyway therapy helps you with what happened in your past and how it's affecting your present and when you get a coach of any kind it's how ha- it's helping you with the reasons that you're stuck in the present and how you can move forward so that's the big difference to me i didn't know how to move forward without just kind of vomiting all these things that i wanted to do so Brian and a few other people helped me really focus on, on what the, your question is, the stories that I want to tell, the, the, how I see myself in this creative world. And it's, it is pretty specific. It's um, first television and then probably musical theater. And I'd love to put film on there, but that, is, that, that hasn't happened so far. Um, but it's not out of this, it's not terribly exhausting to audition for both television and film. If you have representation, they usually submit you for both right now. It's, it's television. Um, and I, and if you look at my resume, I've accumulated a lot of, uh, co-stars and some guest stars and recurring roles. And, um, there's about, I don't know, 13 credits there. And I just want to be really clear that in the last five years, 13 credits means about 15 days of work, right? (laughs) 15 days of work and it's super lucrative and it's super cool. And I want to do it every single day, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be a series regular like other women and men my age 
and, you know, who are pursuing television, that's the goal series regular and you want to do it every day, but that's right. what that, that's what that, that's how those credits translate. So what do you do with the rest of the time? If you're not in a long running show and, you know, and I, I focus on the, the three or four parts on Broadway and off Broadway that I could do given my physical makeup and, you know, what I look like and how I sound. So I'm clear on that. I know what I'm ready for. Um, and, and, and so you have to figure out what to do with the rest of your time. Um, right. motherhood takes up some of my time, but, um, but I raised really good kids and they, they're self-sufficient. They don't need me 24 seven. Your family is amazing. Your family Thanks. is beautiful, beautiful. They, they're kicking ass. So, you know, I'm not, um, they're in school a lot of the time too. So I have to, I, I need to create some other work. Um, and also I'm somebody who reads a good book and then is like, I can make this into, I can adapt this into a short film, but I can't, yeah. I have to concentrate on just two or three things. So I don't know what kind of things you're creating, but I have to keep it to three Yeah. or I am not going to do any of them well. Quarantine. And so, something no, that go, you said earlier, Michael, is that you, 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 you sort of said it. Um, you just kind of threw it away, like use your resources Remember yeah. when you were talking about that? Um, yeah. you, I, I have a very, very organized book and, you know, series of notebooks about my resources. And I have a systematic, a systematic automated way of reaching out to people that does not, you know, that benefits them and me. Yes, I, I have. I don't remember if it's a full episode of it. Or if it's a, or I just talked about it for five minutes, everything's kind of bleeding together. Uh-huh. But, you know, I talk about networking versus yeah. net weaving. Yeah. And, you know, um, a friend of mine, Catherine Porter, was the first person to bring up, it was like a very open dialogue conversation. And I was like, that's actually, she was like, it's more of a net weaving experience. And I was like, that's actually brilliant because net weaving, you know, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. how, how you approach asking someone, how you approach, you know, uh, how my project can help you and how your project can help me is a very net weaving experience because it comes from the why. I talk about the why of what we do all the time. And the why should infiltrate every single thing that we do. Therefore, it becomes much less of a self focused experience and we're able to help each other out joyful you're talking to another human being yeah when you're when you're networking and you can take people to lunch and coffee all you want but if you don't have any follow-through and if your follow-through sucks like hey that was a nice coffee can you give me this amount of money you got to rethink all of that right follow through is really really important and right and, um, and it needs to be within a certain time. That's how well. our relationship started. It started out with, with coffee and lunch and it turned out we barely talked about projects. We just talked about being human and we were yeah. like, all right, so this isn't all right. We're, this is a friend. This is gonna, we're, we're looking into yeah. being friends here. It was like a date, you know, well, you're, you're very, you find they can't all be serious. All this networking and pursuing your dreams and all this stuff. It has to right. be super silly at times. And so you, you at the core of you either, I love the, the mischief, um, in Ooh. hanging out with you, you, um, you're quick to laugh. 
And um, as we are pursuing our dreams, if we are not enjoying the day, as I'm enjoying hanging out with you right now, um, yeah. then and finding the humor, I'm not. I'm not sure what we're doing. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I, I just my photo session with you. We laughed a lot. We giggled a lot. We you giggled like, a lot. Ooh, that doesn't work. Try this shirt. Okay. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so we were, we're just, you know, I don't know. And uh, calling each other on shortcomings. We, there's a there's a flip side to every trait. My <clears throat> my husband loves that I'm a good mom, but he but you know the flip side of that trait is that I worry about things that haven't happened yet. And so mm-hmm. it's just fun to bounce those back and forth, especially in your photo shoots where you just start talking and you know. I just, I just would take photos with you every week. I just Thanks. love it. I love you. And what's, what's funny about that you say about the giggling is like, I giggle, <laughs> I giggle more <clears throat> mm-hmm. when something is really, uh, is in the studio, in the studio. Mm-hmm. I giggle a lot when something is really, really intense. Like if we're going, like when we were going for your, your that 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 first look that like not the even make, yeah makeup no, list uh-huh. it wasn't even a no makeup makeup look it was like makeup list as if you were opening up that Budweiser at ten a.m. cigarette hanging out in mouth and just like you haven't seen your kid in like yeah, Michael you called him the I lost everything yeah. <laughs> series. Yeah, you, you, it looked like you had lost everything. And yeah. I remember laughing. And that's how I fucking get cast. Yeah. So. But it, and, and it's so funny. It's like, you know, the pictures that are on your IMDb, it's like you, you pick the one with the yellow background and those mm-hmm. gorgeous, like, go go pants and boots. Mm-hmm. And then you also have that blue background, which is, you know, both of them say very, very different stories, mm-hmm. as do you. As do mm. you, you tell so many different things. There's the, you know, that you could have been, you know, Piper's aunt in Orange is the New Black. Yeah. But then and you could all also why, do. Michael, how come we haven't, cho- we haven't chosen, I haven't chosen one of those pictures to put up. Have I? Now that you're saying that. No, I'm, I, <gasps> I, I'm. Wait, what, I'm putting what? it down. I'm writing it down right now. That series that I've lost everything has yeah, to why go. Yeah, it has to go on your IMDb. They're it has too good. To. Oh my god! I can't believe I don't have that. You also, you also took, you also got a package with me where you get an edit per look, and you have not sent me those. I know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm gonna write. So talk a, talk about book. holding accountable, huh? I know. Yeah, I'm so glad that that it's on a podcast that you reminded me. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah. great. Hey, can Just, I? Can I? Um, before I forget, because I know that this, this is only an hour long and I could talk to you for hours and hours. Yep. You started your podcast like on this tremendous, with this tremendous quote. And it made me think about um, my mom and you have a, you're pretty close with your mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been, I don't know if you've been talking to your mom via Facebook or Zoom more during quarantine uh, or, or you've, you've always talked to your mom on Facebook, but my mom is 82 and and really trying to figure it out. And she, and it, it's, it's exhausting for her. Just like you were saying in that, that beautiful passage that you read, it's exhausting for her to have a visual connection to me. She doesn't know where to put her face. Right. She, she doesn't know how to listen because 
she grew up holding something to her ear. And then when I start talking, she puts her face very close to the camera. And then when she talks, she shows me her cheek. And, and it's not something that we're going to undo, but she says she's right. sweating at the end of it. Sweating. <laughs> I have a very smart, very articulate, you know, healthy mom. And it's a, it's, it is rocking her world right now. Does your, does your mom really, really, uh, is this a really easy thing for her to adjust to? My mom is actually very good with, um, the phone. It's more oh, okay. me. It's more me. I'm the, I'm your mom on this end. It's like, I, oh. yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, I'm doing like zooms because you know, I'm an empath and we've talked about yeah. this many times, many, many yeah. times. So sit me sitting in front of you. I am not just talking to you verbally. I am getting so much information from when, if we're going out to lunch, if we're going out to drinks, if we're going out to dinner, if we're going to see a show, whatever our experience is, I am getting so much information from the person that is in front of me. I almost said inside of me, the person that is, (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole other story. The person that is in front of me. <laughs> Thank you for saying other instead of nether. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I, uh, I'm getting so much information and um, I uh, being yeah. in front of a screen, like if I'm teaching, like when I teach my workshop, like at Florida state thespians, right. Every right. year um, I have, you know, 60, 80 kids in a room and I'm able, I was, I was that kid and I still am that kid and I'm able, I know what an eyebrow means. I know what happens when an eye shifts. I know what happens. I know what happens when the chest collapses. I know what happened when the chest Mm -hmm. pops up. I know what all of these things mean and they all inform Mm -hmm. something, how I teach, how I talk, how I communicate, but over FaceTime, over zoom i don't get any of that stuff yeah i know i know so it's hard it's hard for me it is is very hard gosh i was in a i i um take a a camera class every week it's one of those um um it's one of those skills that you you have to practice all the time all the time like keeping your singing voice up so i'll be in camera classes for the rest of my life and also scripts are getting harder like when you have something like Matrix or Maze Runner or something like that, you're like, what the hell is going on? You're, I'm, you're pointing at things that don't exist, right? iPads right. and things. So they're, they're, it's difficult. You need some, I need some guidance in terms of like, I'm a voiceover, but I'm also an alien. But now I'm a vampire speaking a different language. Well, if right. I don't figure this out, somebody's going to. Right. So, but I'm in these camera classes and, and my, my um, teacher was talking to a different student and it was a, a theater person who was saying, I don't know how to be smaller for TV. And he was saying, it's not about being smaller. The actors on Modern Family are very big. You know, they're not small. That's not small acting. That's big acting, you know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's playing in the back it's of the broad. house. Yeah. Sure. So it's not about being smaller. I mean, it's not, not everything is house of cards. Right. So right. he was talking to this performer and saying um, that he's saying, I, you, you have a performing you have a performance way of speaking in front of the camera. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it, it comes across 
as a car, as a used car salesman. And the actor very truthfully was saying, but I talk that way in real life. And the teacher was saying, I know you do. Most, most actors do. They have a heightened sense of speaking and they're good storytellers and they love to talk. But when you get in front of the camera, it's a lot. So, mm-hmm. and he said, but I do that in real life. And, and he's, and, and I hold my breath in real life. And the teacher said, well, it's none of my business, but if you want to that to change on camera, you have to look at that. You have to look at why you hold your breath in real life and why you feel like you need to talk in this sort of heightened way all the time. Aren't you exhausted? And the guy was like, yes. <laughs> anyway, it, it just struck me that, you know, what you were talking about. Really, Alette, Alette, we have to we have to wrap, but I think that's <gasps> going. No, I know it's like it felt like five oh minutes, God. but yeah. I know, I know. But the, but I, I'm glad that we left off on that. It's you know finding uh, during this quarantine and, yeah. and truthfulness, but being a multi hyphenate, not just mm-hmm. in quarantine, all the time we have to look inward and have these conversations with ourselves oh. about. What is yeah. true in this it's moment because it changes stories, the stories you tell yourself. You have to yes. look at the stories you tell yourself, but you also have to, sh- to find the humor. You have to, you, you got to, giggle. you got to, you got to giggle, baby. You yes. giggle. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. Where can we find you on social media? Oh my God. I'm supposed to know that right off the bat, right? It's a, it's a let's you're on Instagram at a let Taylor, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, That's let's it. okay. Everyone follow Alette on Alette Taylor at uh, on Instagram and uh-huh. Andy and I will be accepting the sloth challenge. Oh, Have you, good. do you know what that is? No. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to say anything. Just look at just find me on Instagram and Andy and I will soon be posting the sloth challenge. Oh my god. I literally can't wait for that. I love okay, you good. so much. I love you too. This was amazing and I can't Thank wait you. to I can't wait to see you when this is all over. I know, same here. I love you. Bye Michael. Love you, honey. Bye. This podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project or on Twitter at mkushnerphoto. And visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dear multi hyphenate. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.